Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Disney World's Toontown was my first job out of high school. And at the beginning, everything was great. For those of you who do not remember, Toontown is where Mickey and Minnie lived in the park and had everything you would imagine would be in a real neighborhood, a neighborhood where a cartoon would live in. There are houses, kitchens, bedrooms. Kids could even go in and microwave stuff on the little cartoon microwave. Donald Duck had a houseboat that you could go inside. Goofy had his roller coaster. There was a lot of cool stuff, and although it was for kids, I actually really liked it. I mean, where else in the world can you go and step into a real cartoon village? That was until I started working the overnight shift there. What in the daytime looked cute and silly quickly became more creepy after the sun went down and guests left the park. I worked in custodial, so I was one of the last people to go through the parks at night, and unfortunately, I usually had to go alone. So one night, I was doing my rounds and emptying trash cans. I walked straight through Toontown to try to get to Tomorrowland and back to the front of the park. I was finishing a 10-hour day and was definitely ready to get out, so I was walking pretty fast. Normally, all of the little houses were dark and the sound effects were turned off. Not tonight, though. I went back there and all the lights and effects were still going strong throughout the area. I was dumbfounded. This was a serious departure from protocol, so I had to tell someone about it, and people were going to get into serious trouble. I continued walking and pulled up my radio, but as soon as I did, everything shut off. I then heard shuffling in the distance and thought I saw a tail go into some bushes over near the train station. I figured it was probably just a raccoon or something. The area back there was completely surrounded by national forest, and animals turned up all the time. So I completely forgot about it and went on with the rest of the night. During my shift the next morning though, I heard some very disturbing news about the area. A rat was found gutted and smeared all over Minnie's house's floor. The official story was that it was killed by a possum or two, but the amount of carnage involved seemed suspicious to me. Anyways, it was business as usual of course. The amount of situations at the park that could happen before there's any change in operation is truly astounding. That was until later in the evening when I saw a batch of policemen and security officers crowded around Main Street strategizing something. For that amount of them to be gathered around one place meant something definitely must have happened. I found one of my leaders standing over on the sidewalk staring over at the group. 
I asked her what happened. She said she wasn't sure, but she heard something about a baby going missing. I never heard about anything like that happening in those parks, so that really freaked me out. By the time I did my sweep later that night, it was about 2 in the morning. I did all my normal tasks, but I was certainly dreading getting into Toontown. I was still kind of shook up from the events from the night before, even though I knew they were honestly pretty much normal. So by the time I got to the area, I was relieved to see that the lights and sound effects were not on. I approached an empty trash can in front of Minnie's house and noticed through the window that the cartoon refrigerator was still open. I figured that one of the crazy interns must have forgotten to shut the door when they closed down the park for the night. So I walked inside the house and went to the kitchen to close it. But when I tried, it didn't close all the way. Fear suddenly surged through my veins. I automatically knew something was wrong. I slowly opened the refrigerator door and witnessed to my horror a baby inside, lifeless and cold. In my panic, I radioed my supervisor and told him what just happened. He told me to get outside the house immediately and that the police were on their way. Then a number of boxes and items knocked down in one of the rooms behind me and someone ran out of the door. Too terrified to move, I just stood there and watched as a man-like thing skittered past the window. I immediately went outside, desperate to see what it was. It was gone. The police arrived shortly after, and I told them what happened. When no one was paying attention, I saw something on the kid coaster. It looked like a silhouette of Mickey Mouse. I am now writing this three weeks after the incident. I was an obvious suspect for killing that baby. My family stopped talking to me. Not even my therapist believes me. But you believe me, right? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I worked security at Disney World, the happiest place on earth. Typically, I wouldn't say where I work, as obviously there's pretty strict rules about things employees can put online. But I just don't think I could tell this properly without that context. And honestly, I think this may be it for me anyway with this job. 
I just can't see myself working here any longer now. I had been with this company for 23 years. The first 20 years, I worked in the parks, napping shoplifters, and rounding up people who were drinking too much for the heat. Occasionally, there would be a fight to break up, but people usually kept it pretty mild. The heat and walking was getting too much for me the last few years, so I asked to be transferred somewhere with AC, and the company moved me to one of their resorts. While the working conditions were 110% better, as far as the climate and comfort go, the guest issues were trickier, mainly domestic. I guess the expense and stress of vacation got to a lot of people, and I'd be called by neighboring rooms because some mom and dad were yelling at each other. I tried to suggest they take a nap or go do separate activities for a bit, and that would usually calm them down. But none of that is what I'm here for. I've got to get this out while I still have time. Three days ago, I got a call from management. Apparently, a couple days before that, housekeeping had went into a room that should have been turned over that day. Turned over is when a guest leaves by about 11 a.m. and the next guest checks in about 3 p.m. All the guest items were still in the room. Housekeeping made a note of it and moved on. But during the next two days, when they entered the room, everything was still there and untouched. I went to go check it out, and sure enough, there was an empty room full of luggage, clothes, snacks, some toys, everything a family would need for vacation. The manager had already looked up the previous reservation, and it was for a family. Dad, mom, two little kids. I tried to call their phone numbers they had given, but all I got was voicemail. We were a bit stumped so I made the call that housekeeping should clear the room and take the family's personal items to be held until we got in contact with someone. I went digging into the reservation more. The family had arrived five days before housekeeping discovered all their stuff. I found that the family had paid a parking fee and their vehicle description was listed. A quick walk in the parking lot and I had easily located their vehicle. So that ruled out a car accident or deciding to just leave all their stuff behind. Next, I saw that they had bought a dining plan. This is where guests prepay for all their food. They were given a certain number of credits to use for meals. This family had only used three credits, and the last one was two days after they checked in. It appeared that the day they arrived, they got here late and probably just stayed on the resort. The next day, they used two credits at Epcot. The second park day, they had just used one credit at Magic Kingdom, and it was at breakfast time. Now at Disney, we have something called Magic Bands. Magic Bands are worn by guests and act like a room key, parking ticket, credit card, dining reservation payment, fast pass, and more. It took some work, but I was finally able to look up the family's fast pass history. The day that they went to Magic Kingdom, they had breakfast at a restaurant in the park rode a couple rides, and then rode their last ride. It's a small world, around 11 a.m., then nothing. Finally, it was time for me to bring someone else on this. I called an old co-worker at Magic Kingdom and asked him if he could pull security footage for It's a Small World at the time they rode it, and I made my way over there. When I got there, my friend was very confused, almost distraught looking. He showed me what he found. 
there's usually a camera in the direction of where the rides load and unload. The footage showed them scanning their bands to use the fast passes for the ride and boarding the ride. The footage found the exit of the ride that just showed the other people in the car exiting. They weren't there. Of course, we thought the worst. Maybe one of the kids had fallen out and the mom and dad and the other kid got off in the middle of the ride to help and they all got injured or killed or stuck in the machinery somewhere. So we shut down the ride, middle of the damn day, turned off the music and turned off the lights. Me and my buddy walked around the ride three times before we called in help. Eventually there were close to 10 cast members searching and we didn't find shit except for three cell phones and a hat. I was stumped. I've kept digging for the past couple days and I'm not sure who to tell what I found next to. I've called the police and I suppose they're on their way, but the company has a way of covering up things like this and I decided I can't live with myself if I didn't put up some type of warning. I kept digging into the reservation over the last couple days and today I noticed they had purchased a memory maker. There are photographers all over the parks and cameras in a lot of the rides and with memory maker the photos are all free. They are automatically added to the guest Disney account when the system knows their picture had been taken and the system always knows. Everyone's whereabouts are always known with the magic bands. Well, I opened up the Memory Maker photo album, and I swear, there's 732 pictures. The first 30 or so were pretty normal. Epcot, a few rides, in front of the castle, but the rest, the rest are all in. It's a small world. The rides only take one picture per go-around, so it appears as though this family has ridden this ride over 700 times. The first picture was pretty normal. Everyone looked happy. It was a busy day and a full car of guests. The next one is rough to look at. The car is empty except for this little family and they look so darn confused. The next 10 or 15, I can see the dad getting angry, yelling. Mom is holding on to those kids like your life depends on it. And you can see that the kids are getting increasingly upset, crying. As it goes on and on, about 50 or so, it looks like they're trying to get out. In one, the dad is missing. In another, they're all gone. Maybe like they tried to bail early in the ride and tried to walk out. But the very next one, they're right back in that damn car. After about 450 or so, I only see the mom and the kids. It's just when I look closely, I can see the dad. Maybe just his body now slumped down in one of the other seats. Since about 675, there's just the mom and one kid, another body in another seat. The mom and the kid aren't moving anymore. I think those two are still alive, just damn near catatonic, looking straight ahead, pale. And y'all, I swear on my fucking life, the dolls are moving or something. In some of these pictures, I can tell that they aren't where they're supposed to be. I even saw one of the dolls in the car with a family. I can't look anymore or I'm going to lose my lunch. I closed the album. Its file size has increased since I closed it. God, are there new pictures being added? I see on the security cameras that the local PD had just arrived and will take over soon. I wish I knew what the fuck was going on, 
but I also wish this damn thing had never landed in my lap. I don't think I'll be able to update this. After I talk to the police, I think I'm going to walk out of here and never come back. I just wanted to get this out there before Disney feeds the media some bullshit cover-up as to why the whole family vanished. They didn't vanish. I know where they are. So, I visited Disney constantly when I was younger. The vibrance of the park, the fresh smell of cookies and bread, and of course, the castle that everyone loves. I loved all the attractions, the snacks, and the characters. Of course, those things were meant to distract you from the deep dark secrets below ground. The halls for the garbage and the endless amount of sick. I can go on, but there's one vivid fact that lingers with me since I left that hell on earth. No one dies at Disney. I had applied to work in the Orlando Park when I finished my bachelor's and I got lucky out of a few dozen. Sure, it was a janitorial job, but nothing gave me more of a thrill than working at the same park that basically housed my childhood. And I was given decent pay, some benefits, and I was given a shift from noon to midnight, perfectly smell the cookies in the day and enjoy the fireworks at night. I worked with two people that wore suits, and they were some of the greatest people I knew at the park. Jim, who was tall, yet lanky enough to wear the goofy costume, and Damien, who had the talent to voice Donald perfectly, thus had the job of working the suits. They were amazing to work with, and I loved their roles. Of course, they were a little older than I was, so they knew more of the park than I did. When I was just starting working there, Damien was given the task of showing me around the underground. Oh yeah, bud, you'll love working here. Of course, you'll be down here most of the time, but you'll get used to it. Damien was the giddy one with lots of energy, so I had to keep up and pay attention simultaneously. He showed me the security room, the suit room, the medical room, and the garbage disposal machine, where we had to wear masks to dispel the smell. At the end of our tour, we passed a door that seemed a bit off. There were many locks on it and what seemed like padding surrounding the door frame. I asked what the door's purpose was, and Damien stopped. His normal cheerfully boisterous demeanor shattered. He spoke with fear and resentment. Don't enter that door. Don't ask. Don't wonder. Don't attempt. Let's keep going. I was kind of scared after that, but I followed his orders. I enjoyed the work I was given despite the area and tolerated it for a while. The annual fireworks for 4th of July was happening later during that shift and I helped Damien and Jim into their new suits. The suits were different than the others since they were made with dry fur and had plastic gloves and eyes. Jim didn't like his suit very much, but had to wear it since it came with a raise and Damien didn't care. They were just going to stand on a race platform and wave, so it didn't really matter what suits they wore. I was a bit concerned for them, but they reassured me that it was going to be fine. I wish I convinced them to think otherwise. Later on, the fireworks were lighting up the starry night into a blaze of glory. The kids and the parents alike enjoyed the view with their pals Donald and Goofy waving above. I was cleaning the underground during this time. Then something happened. 
Disney paramedics rushed through carrying two horribly burnt suits that were crying and screaming in agony. I rushed behind and went into the medical room after. The new Donald and Goofy suits, which were still being worn by Damien and Jim, were present. Jim had lost both legs, half of his right arm, and had firework shards on his chest. While Damien's suit's beak was torn straight into his jaw, which was also torn off, he was missing both of his arms, and the suit's legs were charred onto his. The fireworks had lost their stand during their takeoff and shot a big bomb near them, launching them into flammable shrubbery. The sight of that made me sick and I nearly passed out. The boss came through and assured me that it would be okay, but I knew they were going to die. I ran through the underground into the bathroom, threw up and cried for my friends. Later on, their names were erased from the work schedule and their work folders were burned. The bosses and co-workers never mentioned their names again and I heard the door that was padded was opened and shut. I tolerated this job for the rest of the year, cleaning near their workstations occasionally and letting a tear drop. Every time I cleaned around that door, I sometimes hear a knock or a whisper saying, Buddy, something Damien used to say to me. I shuddered every time I would hear it. I went to the boss to collect my last paycheck and I mentioned Damien's name. Who? Damien. The Donald that died in the summer. Then he said something to me that took all the magic out of the park. Don't be ridiculous. No one dies at Disney. I left with fear in my mind and a gut-wrenchy feeling. Whatever was behind that door, it was not special or important enough for them to care. It haunts me to this day what people don't know about the darkness that surrounds the beauty and fun of Disney. Let me first get this out of the way. I love Disneyland. I always have. The Haunted Mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean, Space Mountain. Call me a goofball if you want. I love them all. As long as I can remember, there was always a certain rush of magical excitement whenever I talked about it. The smell of the train's axle grease mixed with fresh popcorn as you take your first step down the main street. Your first glimpse of Sleeping Beauty's castle sitting bright and vibrant against the Southern California sun. The wonderful dilemma of having to choose between the Matterhorn or Mr. Todd's wild ride. All of this comes with one caveat, the crowds. But with such a great adventure about to happen, who cares? We're all there for the same reason. Well, maybe not everyone. These feelings I had towards the happiest place on earth were ones I wanted to share one day with my own kids, and for the most part I have. My son, who's 10 years old, is just now appreciating the magic. Admittedly, not as much as I did at his age. But last week I saw the excitement finally spill over as we parked the car and hopped on the tram for our annual summer visit. In late August, the crowds somewhat thin out as school seasons are beginning. This is different for us having homeschooled our son since fourth grade. We have more freedom with our schedules, and this trip to Disneyland has become our unofficial end of summer and start of his school year. We all have our favorite rides. My wife and I, the Haunted Mansion, of course. 
My son's favorite, surprisingly, is the Jungle Cruise. Looking back, it was a fitting place to meet them, while waiting in line for a ride with a savage, survivalist theme. A boat ride where everything goes wrong and you're attacked by all sorts of wild animals, because that's what they were, wild animals. They seem normal enough, a wholesome family of five, and friendly as can be. It was a young boy, about the same age as my son, that started the conversation. I hadn't noticed that they were talking, but soon we were all locked in an enthusiastic conversation about our favorite place in the whole world. And they sure knew their stuff, like what years the rides were built, oral history about the rides long gone, and when I heard the dad, Walter, call his daughter Ariel, I knew that these people were way hardcore Disney folk. Walter and Belle had been together for over 20 years and had three kids, Ariel, Donald, and Woody. And with their three kids, Ariel, Donald, and Woody make up the most intense Disneylanders one could ever meet. Everything about them was branded by Disney in some way or another. From the matching mouse ear t-shirts or their branded lanyards filled with collectible pins from down to Ariel's pink Minnie Mouse sneakers. Even the teenager of the group, Woody, wore his fair share of the Magic Kingdom flair, and they talked about this place as if it was their home, addressing some employees by their first names. Funny thing, the employees didn't respond as if they knew them or even recognized them. It was nothing but confused looks in return. Maybe that should have been the first sign we could have picked up on, or the fact that they were named after Disney characters, but we didn't. In fact, after the first ride, we became Disney pals, so to speak. We went on more rides together, and it was nice, especially for my son. Since he's homeschooled, making friends can be challenging, and watching him mix it up with Ariel and Donald was gratifying. Both Walter and Bill were nice too, and were filled to the brim with all sorts of Disney facts. Woody, however, was not so friendly. He was standing there quiet and observant, but he was a teenager after all. After a ride on Peter Pan's flight, we stopped off to get a refreshing cola and have a quick seat to rest. We sat together in the shade as we waited for the kids to finish their drinks. Meanwhile, Walter's Disney stories started to become strange. I'm actually a lifetime member of Club 33, Walter said at one point out of nowhere with an infectious enthusiasm. For those unaware, Club 33 is exclusive, nearly impossible to get into, VIP, only private club located in New Orleans Square. It was hard to swallow that he was a lifetime member and my gut instinct called us out as bullshit, but his promise of us having lunch at the exclusive club kept my doubts at bay. Maybe it was true, I thought. Let's do a few more rides, then head over, he said. I politely tried to steer in the direction of breaking away, but he insisted we join them. I could see that look in my wife's eyes, the one telling me to man up and cut the cord. But hey, Club 33 is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. As we all got up to leave, I noticed Walter take my son's empty soda cup from him. He proceeded to dump the leftovers into the trash can, then take the mouse ear lid and straw combo. He handed it over to Belle, who placed it in her fanny pack. Walter looked at me and smiled, his bright white row of teeth. Everything is a souvenir, he said. 
We should have left them right there and then, but we didn't. Instead, the kids began deciding which ride to go on next. And being the pacifist my wife and I are, we just went along with it. My son broke out his park map to give it a look. Somewhere in the process, he gave himself a nice, deep paper cut across his thumb. I didn't even notice it until we were waiting in line at the haunted mansion. When I heard Ariel explain to my son that he should suck on the cut to stop it from bleeding, I gave him a napkin to use instead. She kept insisting that he suck on the cut. I found her persistence about it unnerving. But later, within the darkness of the sketchy elevator, when I saw Ariel with my son's thumb in her mouth, that unnerving turned into horror. I was frozen in shock at what I was seeing, and so was my son. She was sucking the blood from his cut. My fatherly instincts grabbed his hand and pulled it away from this little shit's mouth. She looked at us, both as innocent as a porcelain doll, stoic and calm. I looked around to see if my wife had noticed, but Walter was talking her ear off. In fact, everyone's ear. This ride was the last one Mr. Disney worked on himself before he died. He boasted to the annoyance of everyone in line. I tried to corral my family so we could ride together. But in the nonstop conveyor belt commotion, I saw my wife ride away with Belle, and I was stuck with Walter. I made sure that my son squeezed in with me. Ariel and Donald rode together. Woody rode alone. For the duration of my favorite ride, Walter proceeded to explain away details from every scene we passed through. The hydraulics and the animatronics, the techniques used to create the holograms. I learned more than I needed, or ever wanted sitting there while he systematically ruined my most favorite and cherished dark ride. But even more disturbing to me was a little bloodsucker in the car behind us and my wife sitting next to, God knows what, to our front. We were all trapped. All I wanted to do was get the hell out of this thing and get away from them. As the ride finally came to the end, the narrator's warning, beware of hitchhiking ghosts, suddenly took over a whole new meaning. I rushed us off and asked an employee I saw where I could find a first aid station. Who knows what kind of disease these people could be carrying. And that girl was sucking on my son's fresh cut. Walter tried to steer us towards Club 33. I took my family's hands once we were untangled amongst the crowd and changed course to Main Street. Keep walking. Don't look back. My wife understood what I was doing and went along. We walked briskly navigating the scores of people for what seemed like forever, hoping those weirdos were not behind us. Once we got to the main street, I finally glanced back and saw nothing. We lost them. I nervously dumped gobs of first aid ointment on my son's thumb, explaining to my wife what I saw. You're not going to believe what I saw either, she replied, as I wrapped a Disney-themed band-aid around my son's greasy thumb. But there's no time to discuss. We needed to make a decision. We ultimately decided that instead of leaving the park altogether, to head over to the sister property, California Adventure. We did pay for the park hopper pass, and those damn things aren't cheap. Why let some freaks ruin our last day of summer? Fuck them. Plus, we were still hungry. Once at California Adventure, we sat down in the corner of the most out-of-the-way eatery we could find and started to relax as our food digested. I told my wife about the paper cut sucking incident and she told me what she had seen. 
it was just as disturbing. While in the haunted mansion, she got a glimpse inside Bella's fanny pack where she saw a clear plastic bag with stuff in it. What kind of stuff? I asked. Used tissues, gobs of matted hair, as if pulled from a hairbrush, flattened out Disney soda cups, remnants of someone's leftover fast food from the park, and what looked like, to my wife, a used, dry, and blood-crusted tampon, and to top it off, our son's mousier soda lid straw combo that Walter had taken earlier. We sat there stunned, almost paralyzed to even move. The only thought that came to my mind was, what the fuck? Look, there's Woody. My son stood up, pointing at him. I turned to see his tall and hunched over lengthy figure pass by the crowd. He was alone. I quietly sat my son down and tried to make like a hole in the wall. My wife and I locked eyes again. We knew it was time to go home. But when we got up, they came into the eatery out of nowhere. Where'd you guys go? Walter belted out with a giant smile full of teeth. They took their seats, blocking us in. I glanced over at Woody, sitting a few tables down by himself and grinning like a madman. He was following us. What should we ride next, friends? There's a slight change in Walter's voice as he spoke, like he knew we were onto them. I think we're heading home. He wasn't buying my wife's lie. Home? It's barely two. We sat there, trapped again. Then an idea hit me. I mustered up my best polite person persona and suggested another ride. Mickey's Fun Wheel. Their kids lit up with excitement. My wife looked over at me like I had five eyeballs. I just played along and tried to act like I was excited. We can get a car all to ourselves and ride together. Walter was overcome with joy. While waiting in line, my wife squeezed my hand so hard that I thought she was going to break it. But I had a plan and was nearing deployment, especially as we inched closer to the loading platform. The most important thing was to keep the family of freaks in front of us. Every time my son mingled too close to the front, I pulled him back as inconspicuous as possible keeping us together and it was working except for Woody who was lingering behind us. There was only three groups ahead of us and my heart was lodged in my throat. If this plan didn't work I'm not sure what we could do next. I had to execute this perfectly. The big gamble was how many riders per car which was eight. Perfect. It was our turn next to board and I had managed to get us in the perfect position they were to our front and therefore would be first to board, even the creep Woody. When the gondola was ready, I casually took my family's hands. Game time. Once the freak show boarded, I pulled my wife's hand and son off the side and squeezed back through the line. We quickly made our way past the puzzled faces until we reached the nearest place to exit. I looked back to the magnificent wheel, now starting to turn where I saw the creepers crammed into the gondola, trapped. My plan had worked. I met Walter's eyes for the last time before they disappeared higher into the sky. They were pure darkness. We spent no time getting out of there, not even waiting for the tram and hightailing it back to the park structure. Once we got into the car, I let out a huge sigh of relief. What are you doing? Start the damn car. My wife was not so relieved and she wouldn't be until we were completely out of there. 
I started the car and backed out, looking first to my son in the back seat. A feeling of anger came over me. What a shitty day for him. I noticed his band-aid was gone. It fell off somewhere, he said. Fitting, I thought. We drove home in silence. It has been almost exactly one week since our doomed trip to the happiest place on earth. We've had a few family talks about it, not letting things get in our way of our fun time, no matter where we are. We should not let this bizarre experience get in the way of our future visits. I mean, shit happens, right? I was feeling real optimistic about everything until I went to collect the mail yesterday. There's a plain, unmarked envelope mixed within the week's mail. I opened it and inside was my son's band-aid along with a note written on It's a Small World stationery. It read, Everything's a souvenir. Your friend, Walt. About two months ago, I got a job for the Disney store in one of their warehouses. So far, it's been alright. My team mainly operates the postal deliveries, putting all the stuff you order into boxes before handing them over to the courier. My department has a particular tradition. See, there's a joke that our manager is so incompetent that instead we report to these stuffed toys that we keep in the break room, which comprise of the three caballeros. Donald, Jose, and Panchetto. Each of them are about 20 inches tall, and they have their own cardboard desks and everything. We talk to them like they're real people. We get them involved in the annual Christmas party. We also get comic cards and reports from them as well. Donald was the one to point out any infractions I've committed. I've got quite a few from Panchetto that were entirely in Spanish and one from Jose asking me to play Simba music in the break room as well. I've got written up for playing Disney Heavy Metal, which is a real thing, by the way. Look it up on YouTube or Spotify if you don't believe me. And most of us know it's not actually the dolls, but we play along in order to mess with each other. Hell, I thought I was being hazed for being the new guy when I reported for my first day at work, but everyone just kept doing it. Anyway, there was an incident a fortnight ago where a senior manager from the parent company came over from the U.S. to do a checkup on the warehouse. It had to do with taxes mainly, but when they got to the break room, they asked us about the three caballeros. I was the one to explain the running joke, even showing them all the notices I've gotten from the stuffed toys. That's all really cute and all, he remarked, but I know all the products we sell, and we've never made a Jose or a Pinchetto doll. Maybe they're knockoffs, I suggested, or someone working here made them. No, it's definitely got our factory stitch work, he explained. We were both confused for a while, before my manager came in and started complaining about the dolls. It seems whoever was behind the prank had gone as far as placing orders for new supplies and signing sick days and pay slips under the toys' names. She even claimed that all the pay slips were signed before she could even do so. Wait, I remarked. You're telling me that the stuffed animals have been paying the employees? Do you know how illegal that is? I haven't been able to figure this out, and I demand to know who's doing this, she complained. And I have no idea how many times I've thrown these damn toys in the trash. With that, she kicked at the doll's offices and sent Donald flying out the wall. 
She quickly made demands that the senior manager help her find out who's been stealing from them, since no one respects her. She quickly demanded to have him in her office to start working on how to start an investigation. But before he followed, the senior manager turned to me with worry. Is it just me? He asked. Or did you hear Donald screaming? The manager made sure that the break room was locked down completely for an hour. No one could get in or out as the two managers started talking. But when the break room was unlocked, the three caballeros office space was back to normal with some dented cardboard. But I wasn't the only one to think that whenever the manager came through, they were glaring at her. Their expressions changed. I swear it. Well, before leaving for home, I go to the dolls and say, she doesn't know you're alive. She thinks someone's driving her crazy. Kind of like the ending of Toy Story meets that movie where some girl's husband makes her think she's insane. This morning, the three caballeros were nowhere to be seen. The American told us what had happened at the emergency meeting when we came in. He took one look at the expense books, asked around and found out that the manager was claiming payment for employees that simply didn't exist. And he had her arrested. Well, I say arrested, but actually, she was sanctioned. Put into a mental hospital for her own well-being after a nervous breakdown. Everyone assumed that someone found out and was trying to mess with her. But why not just report her to the police? When we broke for lunch, the three caballeros were back at their desks. We all suggested that maybe they were messing about with her, like the exorcist and all that. Anyway... I was last to go back on the line, and when I did, on a hunch, I asked, what did you do to her? It's simple, Panchetto said as he turned to me. We talked to her. <laughs>